Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. All right. As Borky and I promised yesterday, we had to make a call to the bullpen uh, for Wednesday's show because of the overwhelming amount of feedback to our favorite TV. I even made it movie characters because there are no rules on the podcast. Uh, characters of all time because we are into week like three of this quarantine, I think. I don't know what day it is. But the uh, the sitcom expert himself, necktie enthusiast, Nick Suss. What's up? Uh, yeah, I'm bored. How, how are you guys? I am very, very bored. As you could probably tell, this coming up in a Wednesday in March on the podcast uh, is probably every indication you need of just how boring uh, things are around here at this point. But uh, I was shocked. So, like, the uh, interaction on the podcast has been kind of dead because I think people are just kind of out of routine. And then we threw – I threw this question out there on Monday show, and I was like, tell with it, we'll do it on Wednesday – and uh, the amount of feedback I got was all, was rather surprising. So I guess we'll just get right into it. So I, what, how did you become such a sitcom savant? So you know how sometimes when you're like 10 years old and you're in the other room playing and your parents say, come in here, you got to watch this. And they show you like Star Wars or Indiana Jones or something. My parents did that except with like Seinfeld and Friends and Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm just like nine years old trying to play on the computer and my parents are like, you got to watch the soup Nazi. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch the soup Nazi. And I kind of got inculcated very, very young. And as a result, now all I do in my spare time is watch every TV comedy I can find to a point that during this quarantine, I kind of realized I've run out of American comedies and I've just been binging like British shows from the 80s that I never got around to because I wasn't around in the 80s and I've never been to England. And that's kind of the short answer of why I am super obsessed. It also helps that when I was in high school, I didn't really go out with friends all that often. So watching friends made it feel like I had more people around. Does this extend to like streaming services now as well? Like the special, like the more recent ones that come on this, or is this strictly old fashioned TV? Oh, no, this this extends to pretty much anything. I can tell you three of my 10 favorite shows ever have started in the last eight years or so. I, I will watch anything that makes me laugh and pretty much nothing that, that makes me not laugh. Like I can tell you the names of probably 20 characters from Game of Thrones, and I have seen zero episodes. It's just. I, I listen, but no, I just want to laugh. Wait, so out of all these, you haven't seen Game of Thrones? No, again, I've only seen sitcoms, comedies. I have only seen the the joke ones. I've never seen Breaking Bad. I've never seen Mad Men. I've never seen uh, The Sopranos, The Wire, all of the shows that people actually like intensely care about. I've never seen. But if you want to hear opinions about a short-lived TV show on ABC called Work It that only lasted for, I think, three episodes, that the premise was a guy got fired from his job in 2011 and decided to go back and work as a female secretary. Don't know how that got on the air, but I've seen every episode of that show. Yeah, see, I'm on the opposite end of this spectrum. I pretty much started a bunch of these shows that people were throwing characters out. 
But basically what happens is I'm not committed enough to finish anything. I've finished like some of the main ones. I've finished like House of Cards. I've done Yellowstone to the point. I've done Billions. Uh, I don't know about sitcom-wise. I have seen Friends and some other stuff like that. Basically what happens is my girlfriend and I are long distance, and then whenever I go visit, we'll get like six, seven episodes into some show, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to finish that, and then it just never happens. So I've seen pieces and parts of all these popular shows that people are talking about. So that's interesting. So this is strictly sitcom-related. We're going to have to figure out which ones you know and which ones you don't. But getting started, the way, the question, the way this whole thing started off was, were well, your five favorite television show characters of all time you told me you wrote down 45 on a list uh why don't you start spitballing through those okay i wrote down just sorted by show uh my favorite tv show ever is called you're the worst it aired on fx and fxx from 2014 to 2019 thereabouts and my favorite character ever is probably from that show her name is gretchen cutler very sad character but very much got me happy there was a character named max bloom on a show called happy endings another short-lived show it ran three years on abc in 2010 to 2013 thereabouts uh i actually at one point when i was in high school when that show started started changing my voice to sound more like that character because i was that obsessed with that show uh, some classic ones, uh, Phoebe from Friends, Diane Chambers from Cheers, uh, Niles Crane from Frasier, who I honestly expect you probably got a couple of submissions on him because that's a pretty commonly accepted classic character. Uh, Job from Arrested Development. I've been rewatching Arrested Development the last couple of weeks. That one always gets me going uh recently the good place was a show that made me cry every week and i've got a big poster in my living room for so i'll cape up for cheaty and jason and janet uh and i can keep going but i'm sure you guys have submissions of shows that you care a little bit more about and then we can get back to my list uh once we've gotten through your list so i got to i so i have an interesting story about how i discovered arrested development i told this on yesterday's show but I'd, i'll repeat it anyway i I had a teacher in high school, some elective class, I don't even remember what it was, but it was one that I was not particularly interested in, as if I was interested in the core classes either. But we had this teacher who like rarely showed up anyway, like literally like once or twice a week, we'd have a substitute and it'd be some different excuse. And then I think finally after that, like, like a month or two later, it was like, oh, she had a baby and like, no, or something like that. It's something that caused her to be out for like a month and a half. So every single day in this class, we watched Arrested Development, and I think we got through like three seasons, and that was literally the entire class for the semester was watching Arrested Development on uh, the projector screen. And then it got to the end of the semester, and she came back and was like, all right, like uh, it's final exam prep time. And I was like, what the hell are you going to put on the exam? All we did was watch television this whole time. Like I, It was an outrage. So that's how I discovered Arrested Development. I found that show funny, but it's one of those ones to me, it seems like it's just like surface level comedy. If you're looking for anything like deeper, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't like, like I kept waiting for it to get like, I don't know if I was waiting for it to get serious or there to be some more like more subplots, but it just seemed kind of like surface level. It was still very good. I just couldn't so, get like deeply attached to it. The interesting thing about Arrested Development is it was the first show that was very much designed to be binged, but it came out before binging was a thing. So there are a lot of jokes in that show that are hidden that you'll only notice like the third time you've watched it. Like if you remember the bit, not to spoil it for people who haven't watched this 20 year old show where Buster gets his hand bitten off by a seal 
If you yeah. rewatch the if you rewatch the ten episodes before that, there are references to the fact that he's going to lose his hand hidden in plain sight in all ten of the episodes beforehand. There's a bit where he talks about how he'd never thought he would miss a hand that much when he's looking at a chair, a chair shaped like a hand. There's a bit where he's sitting on a, a bus bench that says army office, but he sits in front of a Y, so it says arm off. There's a bit where you're just watching the news and it says something about there's, there's a rise in seal attacks in the sea. Like, the show did such a good job of hiding its jokes and layering its jokes that it was built for nerds like me. And I, I kind of discovered the show when I was in about ninth grade. And me and my friends were so obsessed with it. This was the last few years before Netflix and all that stuff that we would call each other and we'd be, we'd be like, dude, I just caught season two, episode nine on IFC. I've got it DVR'd. You can come over and watch this one. And they'd be like, cool. I've got season three, episode six. And I'd be like, awesome. And I just thought people were cool if they had seen Arrested Development. That was the one qualifier. If you had seen that show, we would probably get along. Okay. I got a new one for you that, uh, my girlfriend actually introduced me to like a month ago. Uh, Shit's Creek. Yeah. Okay, so I started watching that, and it had a very Arrested Development type vibe. Is that like accurate at all? Like not like obviously not similar plots or anything, but like the style of comedy and humor and all that. Yeah, it's it's a show that I have been a little resistant to because the first three seasons are kind of boring to me. Once it hit season four, and then I think it finished with season six a couple of days ago, but four, five, six are really good seasons of TV. I just couldn't get into the vibe of the first few seasons because it it started a little slow, but I kept going because I'm a weird completionist when it comes to this stuff. And the show did pay off, and I'm a big fan of SCTV-style comedy, which is where Eugene Levy got his start uh, back in the 80s with guys like Rick Moranis and John Candy and even uh, Catherine O'Hara, who's also on the show, were all on that sketch show in the 80s, and I've watched a lot of that old stuff. So I like the show. I never got into the sensation of it in the last two years when people were hyping it up as one of the best shows ever, but so, I have always appreciated it, yeah. Give them, uh, for people that don't know, give them like a background of the show because I would, I'm only, I only got four or five episodes in from the last time I was in Fort Worth. Yeah. And I would say three or four of those was uh, after a night at the bar. So uh, <laughs> memory retention, little bit fuzzy. Uh, so, so it's, it's, you, it's, it's Eugene and his son who made the show right. And it's this like yeah. family of billion, it's this billionaire family. They got in some kind of trouble. They bought a town as like a joke, and then they got in some kind of trouble, and now the town's the only asset they have. Did I butcher that too badly? No, you got it like 90% right. Uh, they were a rich family. Eugene Levy owned like a chain of video rental stores and uh, sold it for a lot of money, but his accountant stole everything. So the family had no assets left except for a town called Shit's Creek that they bought as a joke for their son when he was a kid. So they have to move to this small town in it's presumed rural Canada, but they don't really say if it's in Canada or the U.S. at any point. And so they just have to move to this rural town and deal with the cast of characters like the wacky mayor and the wacky mayor's wife and other wacky characters. And it's a very, very good procedural sitcom. It does its purpose well. When did the show start? You mentioned it coming up and getting famous. I, of course, I am culturally ignorant in uh, in this type of sense. So, like, whenever uh, we started watching it, like, a month ago, I was like, oh, first I've heard of it. Like, when, when, when did this come out? 
Six or seven years ago it started, but it's a Canadian show, and it was broadcast in the U.S. on a network called Pop TV, which I don't even know where that channel is on cable, and if I don't know what a cable channel is, your cable channel has no chance. So, yeah, it, it really started picking up steam about two, three years ago on Netflix when a couple of cool people recognized it. And once the cool people said it was good, then everybody hopped on. And, and one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard is I told a friend of mine that I was finally watching Shit's Creek, and he said, I mean, white people do love that show. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what reputation it has, but sure. So we're bouncing around here, but I'm guessing you are very anti-cord-cutting, giving your uh, nostalgia for old sitcoms. A little bit. I, I'm one of the people who will tell you there are certain shows that are better with commercials. And like when I can't sleep at night, I don't turn on Netflix. I turn on the upper channels of cable and I flip between the Hallmark Channel and TBS and TV Land and MTV and just whatever's showing reruns at two in the morning because I find it more comforting to watch shows for like 10 minutes at a time and then it goes to a commercial and then I flip over and I find another show for six minutes at a time. I don't know why. I, I just... There's a there's a nostalgia to it of flipping between channels and trying to find something I like. Whereas last night I turned on Netflix to watch a, a show called Man Down, which highly suggest if you like slapstick and, and can understand British accents. But I turned it on and I watched 11 episodes in a row. And then I looked at the clock and it was 2 a.m. That's not healthy. Where if I wake up and I'm like, hey, I want to watch a rerun of The King of Queens. This show only kind of sucks. I can watch one episode and be like, oh, time for bed. So I will cut the cord eventually because money's more important than nostalgia. But for now, I, I like having cable. So you treat shitty sitcoms like melatonin? A little bit. Okay. I mean, if, if I can't sleep, the first thing I do is turn on Frasier reruns. And Frasier's one of the best shows ever. So I wouldn't say I, I only uh, treat shitty sitcoms that way, but... In general, uh, I just like the comfort. I mean, there's that line from the opening credits of Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And that's kind of what I do. I mean, there are some Saturday afternoons where I get real excited because I know that there are MASH reruns on WGN America. And I can just turn on MASH on the background and be like, well, if nobody's around on this Saturday at two in the afternoon, at least... At least Hawkeye is going to be here to tell some jokes that definitely aged well. Top five office characters, then. This seems like the uh, the holy grail of what we should be getting to here. Because one of the shocking uh, parts about, like, I think between, I was count, trying to count, we got between 85 and 90 responses total via Twitter. And so through all of that, it took like an hour for Michael Scott to be referenced, and it was only he was only referenced one time. I found that surprising. So that being said, what are your five office characters? This has to be in order. How pretentious do you want me to get with my response? Actually, I'm not even going to limit it to five, just as deep as you want to go. Okay, so shortest answer possible, my favorite office characters are Pam Aaron, Andy, Creed, Kevin. Longer answer is if I'm allowed to include characters from the original show from the UK, it'd be a little different. 
um, longest answer is I watched The Office obsessively and live when it was on NBC. And I loved the show, and I watched it every Thursday night. I tuned in. I got to school on Friday mornings and talked about it with my friends. We were weird for watching The Office. People thought it was bizarre. Now that it's the most popular show ever, it's a little surreal that I tried to get everybody to watch it with me and nobody wanted to. Especially because, and this is the part that will get me yelled at, it's nowhere near the best show in the style it's being filmed at. The creator, or sorry, the writer of The Office, somebody who wrote on the show, Mike Schur, went on to co-create or create Parks and Recreation, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and The Good Place, all of which do a slightly better job of doing what The Office tried to do. Because to take a philosophical bent for it, The Office is a very pessimistic show that kind of takes the stance that the world stinks and it's going to beat you down. Parks and Rec is a very optimistic show that thinks everybody can change the world. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a very legalistic show that thinks the world is bad, but good people can fix it. And The Good Place is a very relativistic show that thinks there is no course for the world, but it's up to humans to decide how the world's going to be. I personally can't be a pessimist, and I know a lot of people our age and older and younger, this is some of the most optimistic generations there have ever been, if you read into those studies about young millennials. So it is shocking to me that our generation has latched onto a show that is all about working a cruddy office job, which nobody does anyway, and is all about being really negative and thinking the world stinks, because nobody actually thinks that way. And I've never been able to wrap my head around why so many people have latched onto this show, because for as funny as it is, it doesn't really meld with our generational identity and... It really only had five good seasons, and the last four seasons range from mediocre to absolute trash if you're looking at season eight out of nine. So I have a lot of feelings about The Office, and I really do have fond memories of the show, but I don't rewatch it the way other people do. Yeah, all The Office needed was like a global pandemic or something. I uh, So why does... so? You mentioned the later seasons being being bad. One of the takes we got was Andy Bernard is one of my favorite characters. I only rewatched the episodes with him. And then I, one of the responses to that take was Andy is not the same character in the late seasons as he is in the early seasons. Agree, disagree. Agree. Uh, agree, but I think that is because almost every TV show does this weird thing where in its last five seasons, it it starts to focus less on being high quality and more on being likable. If you want to hear great analysis on this or just watch a great show about this, watch the season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Mac gets fat, because it's just all about that, how in the last five seasons of any shows, everybody gets way hotter and way cooler and way nicer because the show doesn't actually care about being good anymore. They've made all their money and now they just want to stay on the air. And that happened to the office where they kind of dialed up Andy's character and tried to make him more of an everyman. And that made sense because he was coming, uh, 
the actor Ed Helms was coming off of the hangover and was in some of the biggest comedies in Hollywood. And you had him on payroll. And especially after Steve Carell left, it was natural to make him the everyman character that people wanted to root for, but they had spent his first two or three seasons on the show, building him up as this character who is just straight up negative and weird and just doesn't get social cues and is pompous and they had built up all these negative traits to kind of make him a heel and then they tried to face turn and most of the good writers from the show had left and most of the good ideas were gone and it just didn't work in most cases i think the only good episode of season eight is called angry andy and he did a great job in that one of playing both the face and the heel but for the most part, yeah, the, the character of Andy went from phenomenal in small doses in seasons three, four, and five to being kind of overexposed and changed in seasons six, seven, eight, and nine. I liked him more as like the preppy kind of D-bag that yeah. went to Cornell. And then it got too deep. I don't think he was one that should have gotten too deep. All right, so for a dumb, dumb brain like me, who like all, doesn't know really much of the background of the office, watched it for the first time like three years ago. Why would someone like Michael Scott, who seems to kind of keep the show glued together, leave prematurely? I mean, Steve Carell became a very, very serious actor who wanted to start making very, very serious movies. Oh, so it, it, was, an all... off, it was an off-the-set type of thing. Like, that wasn't just a plot yeah. thing. Uh, okay, no, that uh, makes Steve way Carell more had, sense. Had run course. Yeah. I gotcha. All right, so... All that being said, five, uh, just rank the characters just in order. Uh, from the office? Yeah, yeah. You got through like three or four, but go through like all of them. Yeah. I didn't even hear Dwight in the rankings. Yeah, I think Dwight's fine, and I think Jim sucks. So I'll get a long, long time before I get to Jim. But my favorite characters are probably Aaron, just because I think Ellie Kemper does a phenomenal job of playing slightly ditzy and slightly naive Kimmy Schmidt's another show where she does that really well I think Pam is the glue of the show and she does a really good job of actually making the show feel real and she's actually a good person in a show that doesn't really have that many good people in it so I'll put her at number two I will put Andy at three for a lot of the reasons that you and I talked about before after that, it, it kind of gets into some of the smaller characters. Like Creed is always going to make people laugh, but he'll never have more than two or three lines in an episode. Kevin's the same way, who I, who I could put in that five range. Like him spilling chili is one of the funnier things you'll ever see in an episode, but there are very few episodes built entirely around Kevin. Michael is a phenomenal character in seasons two through seven. Season one, they tried a little bit too hard to make him David Brent from the British office. And Steve Carell couldn't pull off what Ricky Gervais was doing because Ricky Gervais's whole character was about being unlikable and crappy. And Steve Carell's too likable to do that. So they switched the character and he got really good in season two. I like Dwight. I think that uh, Mackenzie Crook did it better as Gareth in the British office. But Dwight is a really funny character that I think has been memed to oblivion. And I think that's kind of lessened my appreciation. But yeah, I, I appreciate The Office. I can honestly say I've probably watched about five episodes in the last four or five years. So the fact that I can still talk at length about it is surprising even me. But good show. I'm happy people like sitcoms. Surprised it's this one. 
is the British office uh, better? The take that the British office is better than the American? Just some hipster take to let you know you watch a lot of sitcoms. Not pointing fingers at you. I'm just hear that from people all the time. Or is that the truth? It's a very different style show. So there are only 12 episodes and a Christmas special of the British office. You can watch it in a weekend. And I did the first time I watched it. So it's very different. It's a lot more negative of a show. It's more about the characters genuinely don't like being around each other. There are very few silver linings, unlike in the office where they tried to force some silver linings in America. Uh, David Brent is a bad boss who nobody likes. Gareth is a little bit unhinged. Tim, who is the counterpoint of a uh, counterpart of Jim, it just genuinely hates working and, and it seems suicidal at points. The character that's the equivalent of Todd Packer, his name's Finch. He like actually assaults David Brent at times and their friendship is super toxic. Like it's just a more negative show, but the writing is definitely better. Performances probably on par or worse, but the writing is just so tight because there are so few episodes of the show. Let's get through some of these responses and see how many of them relate to sitcoms because I can probably relate to some of them that aren't. But here's some of the feedback we got, and I know I would say roughly like 60%. No, that's probably a little too high. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can get all these to pull up. Start from the bottom... Dwight Schrute's the first one, classic. Boyd Crowder, Omar Litter, T Tyrion Lannister. Those don't sound like sitcom. Omar Litter no, is the wire. Omar's the little. Uh, Omar is the wire. Tyrion I've is a Game that. of Thrones character. What's Crowder? What was you say his first name was? Boyd Crowder. I don't know what that is. I don't either, but I've got a feeling I can take a guess. But I've got a Google machine up. So here we go. Let's check what Google has to say. Oh, Justified. I got recommended this show like four times throughout this process. Don't know what it is, but I'll keep it on the list to watch. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've always assumed it was like a Old West show, but set in modern times. I think it's like about a ranger or something. I don't know. I haven't watched it. George Costanza. What are your favorite Seinfeld characters in order? Oh, gosh. Um, if I just got to rank the four main characters, I would go George, Elaine, Kramer, Jerry. If you want to start getting me into minor characters, we could last here all day. But, yeah, I, I, for the longest time, George was my favorite TV character ever. He's just I, such a well-made character. I would agree with that. If I, uh, if I was put on anything, if I was put on this earth for anything, it would be to attend a Festivus dinner. Because I could point out what bothers me about people uh, very quickly. I honestly might How do that amongst my How would you do in feats of strength? <laughs> Probably not very well. But um, so that is yeah, what's your favorite uh, episode of Seinfeld? Uh, favorite episode is either the, the strike, the Festivus episode that you just brought up, or the Bubble Boy, which I always just got such a bizarre kick out of a kid in a bubble punching through his bubble and trying to strangle George during a game of Trivial Pursuit. That, the that Bubble one always, Boy is a good one. 
the puffy shirt. Uh, but I don't want to be a pirate. That that always got me. Man, season four of Seinfeld is just. It's probably top three season a sitcom ever made up there with season four of the Simpsons. And maybe it's just those two. I mean, they go back and just watch straight through season four of Seinfeld. It's nothing but hits. Kenny powers. Do you watch Eastbound and down? I've seen a good bit of it. I didn't finish it. Cause I feel like once you've seen one episode of a Danny McBride show, you kind of get all of it and I like it, but Man, it's just out there. It's the same thing as uh, Principles, Vice Principles. Was that the name of his other show? And then the Mighty Gemstones, Righteous Gemstones. I've tried watching all of them, haven't finished any of them, just because I feel like I get it. Yeah, I've seen episodes of Eastbound and Down, but I haven't seen all of it. I'm kind of the same way. Uh, so are you ever going to expand beyond sitcoms, like uh, into these uh, more pop, like these popular shows like Yellowstone, uh, Game of Thrones, Mad Men, is that on your uh, horizon or no? I don't know. I've been hurt before by like dramas. Uh, I get way too invested in shows, and I don't want to be hurt by them. Like I was a huge fan of that show Heroes when it first came out, 2005, 2006 or so. Then season one, I own it on DVD. It's one of the best seasons of TV you'll ever watch. And then the show just decided it was going to suck. And it's much easier to write off a comedy as starting to suck because you're like, oh, the jokes got lazy. Who cares if Modern Family's not good in season 11 anymore? I can still watch the characters. When a drama or an action show starts to suck, they really start to suck. So maybe I can get into a show once it's ended if somebody can like convince me, no, trust me, Mad Men never dropped off. But then I got to invest like 150 hours of my life into watching Mad Men and I don't know if I want to do that when I can just rewatch Freaks and Geeks for the 20th time. Yeah, wait till you get to the last season of House of Cards after Kevin Spacey was rightfully canceled. You talk about a letdown. Good Lord, I couldn't even finish it, and I love that show. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find ones that I know are sitcoms. Uh, here we go. Uh, just any of these uh, sitcoms, because I don't know who half these people are. Stringer Bell, President Josiah Bartlett, Joey Tribbiani, Finn Tutula. Theo Huxtable, I know that one. Norm Peterson, Jack Bauer. Yeah, I can probably give you who everybody was. Uh, go one by one from the start. Here we go. Uh, Stringer Bell said that was The Wire. Oh, I Norm knew that. Peterson I have seen The was Wire. Cheers. Joey Tribbiani is Friends. Uh, who else did you say? Finn Tutula? Uh, not sure. Uh, might just not be hearing you right, but I don't know that one. Uh, Theo Huxtable, obviously, no, that's that one. Norm Peterson, that's, that's Jack Bauer. Norm Peterson's cheers. Jack Bauer is 24. Um, so I watched 24 I know, when it was on. I thought that was pretty okay, but I was like 12. I, I know Stringer and I know Joey because I've seen episodes of Friends. Just the last names threw me off on that. Uh, so none of those sitcoms. Norm from Cheers. What, uh, what do we need to know about Cheers and Norm? Uh, Cheers is in my tier one of favorite shows ever. It's the best. Uh, Cheers is a show that is really simple because almost every episode takes place entirely within the walls of a bar. So I feel like you might relate in a few regards, Rippy. And uh, Norm is Absolutely. just... Absolutely. I might watch guy. this tonight. 
Yeah. Norm's just the drunk guy. He is a bar fly. He lives at the bar pretty much. He has the same stool. Every time he walks in, he says, how you doing, everybody? And the entire bar screams, Norm! And then he tells a quippy joke. Somebody will be like, uh, I can't remember any of his jokes off the top of my head right now that I feel like butchering. But yeah, he's a great character. He's a very relatable character. He's a sad character in a lot of ways because he's, you know, a drunk guy who hates his wife and hates his job and spends all of his time drinking away his sorrows at a bar, but they make it so catchy and so clever and so quippy that if you like uh, modern sitcoms or even less modern sitcoms, everything in the States that came out after the eighties was influenced by friends or was influenced by cheers. Rather Uh, friends was influenced by cheers and Seinfeld was, and most of these shows that take the dynamic of just like people sitting around talking about their lives that comes from cheers. Great show. Can't endorse it enough. Started watching it my freshman year of college when I was homesick and it made me feel not homesick. Interesting. So before, uh, speaking of sitting around doing nothing and drinking, uh, you're probably going to be doing a lot of that during this uh, quarantine, however long it lasts. I remind you, the podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, if you're going to drink some beer, go get something to grill, support local businesses. Greg's the man. They've got steaks, custom cuts. Uh, the ribeye sausage is one of the finer delicacies in the world. I went and saw Greg last weekend. He fed me for two meals. I uh, gave you some meatloaf, and I got the Lane Train special with some stuffed mushrooms. Probably going again this weekend, but University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. He is the man. All right, let's get to the back half of these. Uh, let's see. Scrolling through. Uh, you've seen Friday Night Lights, haven't you? Some, I've heard you and uh, Gabler talking about this. Have you not? The, the TV show? No. No, I, I can talk informally about pretty much any TV show. If you want to talk about what happens... I can. I just haven't seen it. That's crazy. I even I've seen that. Uh, I just don't think there's ever been a TV show or movie that got high school football right. I played four years of high school football. I was obsessed. I was in too deep. I was. I thought it was the most important thing in the world. And I watched the movies and I watched the TV shows and they're all about the same pretty popular kids doing pretty popular good football in a hard-nosed town where poverty is the only, the only way to overcome poverty is with football. And that just didn't ring true. Most of, uh, most of my memories of high school football were about like selling pine straw door-to-door. And I just... I would have loved if there was a comedy about high school football because it's the silliest, dumbest stuff in the world. A bunch of 14-year-olds thinking they're good enough to be Brett Favre. Uh, it's, it's real silly. So high melodrama like Friday Night Lights never really appealed to me. Selling pine straw, is that like a Hugh Freeze fake his own funeral prop or is that like a fundraiser thing? No, yeah, that was a real fundraiser. Uh, we, oh, sold, okay. we sold uh, coupon cards, which I think is the regular one. But we also sold pine straw and we sold smoke Boston butts. Uh, don't know why we sold that. That's selling meat door to door is a weird thing to do. But yeah, a lot of fundraising when you're just playing high school football. This guy has a ride ranging ones, but I agree with all of them. Costanza, Kevin from The Office, and then he throws in a movie character, Roger Dorn. I can't really contest much of that. Three pretty solid submissions there. Uh, Walt Longmire from Longmire. Do you know what that is? Brockmire? Uh, he says Walt Longmire. Longmire. I have not watched Longmire. I know what Brockmire is. 
It's okay. a show with Hank Azaria playing a uh, drunken former Major League Baseball announcer who's now trying to get back into the game as a minor league, like low A commentator. And it's funny and weird. And if you love baseball, highly recommend. But Longmire, I assume it's, I, I sounds like a show like Yellowstone to me. All right, we've got another Joey submission, so Bob, might as well get your friend's characters ranked. Okay, Phoebe number one, Ross number two, Chandler three, Monica four, Joey five, Rachel six. I've seen every episode of, the, of Friends about a dozen times. Every day when I got home from high school and middle school, I'd just watch four episodes of Friends on TBS. Never watched the show in order, but I've seen every episode close to a dozen times. Uh, the best episodes are Phoebe episodes and Ross episodes. Joey is, if Joey was such a great character, his spinoff wouldn't have sucked. Joey works really well in concert with the other friends, but the episodes where he is alone or he's interacting with characters that aren't the other friends, his plots are very forgettable. So he's a very helpful character. He makes Chandler funnier. He makes Ross funnier. He makes Phoebe funnier. Him by himself, not super great. Whereas Phoebe and Ross are the only two characters that can convincingly carry an episode without the other five friends. And that is over-explaining a show that I should have just said is very funny and you should watch. Yeah, MC would agree with you. She wants to get, if she gets a dog, she wants to name it Phoebe Buffet. And that's the only reason I've seen this show. And I admit, pretty good. I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, why is Rachel last? Like, whenever someone ranks TV character shows, they usually have a strong disdain for the person they rank last. I don't. I, I like Rachel as a character. She is most of the time the least likable character in a show or just the least funny character in the show is the character the show revolves around like a good example of that is in the show Frasier Frasier is probably the least enjoyable character but in Cheers the show Frasier spun off of Frasier might be the best character it's just when a show revolves around you you get less jokes because you don't get to be the wacky character more often than not Rachel is the character that doesn't get to be wacky. She's more grounded. She's more realistic than the other characters. So she just doesn't get as many jokes as everybody else. And that doesn't mean it's a bad character. I think Rachel is one of the few characters in Friends that actually is dynamic and grows and evolves throughout the show. I mean, Chandler's the same character for all 10 seasons. Joey's the same character for all 10 seasons. Rachel goes from rich, Long Island, preppy, prissy girl to being a very self-sufficient very strong independent single mother Th that's really good evolution but i mean if you're going through the list of iconic friends quotes rachel really only gets one in the top 15 or so uh she just doesn't have the jokes everybody else does Fair enough. Uh, another take we had on this thing yesterday was uh, Gabe is an underrated character in The Office for how little he's in around it, and it's probably very hard. This is actually partly what my take was. It's probably hard to play in a character that's an annoyance, and that guy, who, well, I forget the actor's name, does it in multiple Zach things. Woods. Yeah, Zach Woods, I, I was going to say, he only appears in like three episodes of Veep, one season of Veep, and he does the same thing. He steals the show for one season. Silicon Valley, obviously, he pretty much plays Gabe the whole time, and he does a phenomenal job with it. There's a new show HBO started 
earlier this year called Avenue Five that he's in, and he plays a different character than usual, and he does a really good job with it. But yeah, if you're picking your favorite office character and you pick Gabe, I don't know what that says about you. That's <laughs> that's, okay. that's that's like picking Toby. But I I guess you like the puppy. You like the sad puppy. Is your favorite Parks and Rec character Jerry? Interesting. So here we go. We got a few more. Rand- okay, so th- I don't understand this at all. I, this finally, I guess, explains the meme where the guy's sitting there at the table with the change my mind thing that's turned into a million things. Who is Randy Marsh? Randy Marsh is from South Park. Oh. That's, so uh, this is stand- not related yeah. at all. See, these night, these last name things are throwing me off. All right, so I have a take on South Park. I watched some episodes as a kid, and then when, uh, when we were growing up, it was like the first, like, like dirty, ep- like, like foul-mouthed, dirty comedy thing. Like, you were allowed to watch, and you were a cool dude in sixth grade if you were allowed to watch South Park episodes. Yeah. But now the humor is so brilliant on what's happening in the world that I feel like I need to go back and watch a lot of them. Because, of course, when I was like four, like 12 or whatever, I didn't appreciate any of them. And I probably haven't watched the South Park episode in, I don't know, six years. <laughs> My story with South Park is, is just going to show how weird I was in high school. I started watching the show probably eighth or ninth grade, and I liked it. And then there was the episode. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen the Fish Sticks episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please get the premises. The premises. Uh, Cartman helps come up with the perfect joke, which is, do you like fish sticks? Well, then you're a gay fish. Just a stupid pun. Oh, no, I have have seen this. (laughs) And I saw that episode and turned it off and said, nope, not watching this. This is dumb. And then I didn't watch another episode for like four years. And it's, in retrospect, a funny episode. But for some reason, I just made up my mind in like ninth or tenth grade. Nope, this isn't for me. Don't like it. And then I got back into it in college, and I really liked the show. But yeah, South Park, I mean, Randy Marsh is probably the best character in South Park. So I will give that person a good check mark for picking Randy. But yeah, I, I would have never thought to pick Randy as one of my favorite characters ever. Good call, random okay. Twitter person. So obviously these are not related at all. What is the change my mind gif? I don't understand that. You mean the guy sitting at a table? Like yes. the, the change my mind thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. I can't remember which guy it was. I think it was Stephen Crowder, one of those like conservative pundits, went onto a college campus, and I think the original table he was just sitting at a table that said there are only two genders. Change my mind. Yeah, and I think that just got photoshopped and memed. So I think that's the real thing. I think there was a guy who just decided to sit on a college campus and pick debates with people by letting people come up and change his mind. And I think that meme has just taken off and become something else. Because the first time I ever saw that meme, it said, Pop-Tarts are ravioli, change my mind. And that's way better than whatever he was arguing about with politics and all that dumb stuff that I try not to care about. But yeah, I think that's where the meme comes from. Pop-Tarts are ravioli. I don't even know where to go with that. What does that mean? It means that a Pop-Tart is a ravioli. It's a, there's filling inside of a breading. It's uh, a Pop-Tart is made in the same style as a ravioli. It's an offshoot of the is a hot dog a sandwich argument, which the answer is duh. Yeah, we should have left that first one in 2012 or 15, whatever the hell it became. Yeah. That that I still get that question on Mailback Friday, and I just want to block everyone that uh, posts that up. <laughs> 
All right, so in closing, I think we got through most of these. I'm going to keep scrolling and make sure I haven't missed any significant that I know are sitcoms that we did not get to. Uh, okay, here we go. The Lowell Mather Antonio Scarpacci humor underrated. Oh, uh, wait, Wings. Sorry, this was a response. Yes. What is Wings? Wings was a sitcom, I think, in the early 90s, maybe late 80s, that took place at an airport. Tony Shalhoub was in it. Um, it was from the same writers who eventually created Frasier. So I've always appreciated Frasier a little bit more. But Wings, underrated gem of the 80s, up there with something like Night Court or Family Ties that I don't think has survived well in syndication. But if you can find it somewhere on the back alleys of cable channels, worth watching. How far does your sitcom knowledge go back? Like my dad was, I watched Leave It to Beaver and Andy Griffith going, growing up because my dad was a big fan of both of those. Yeah, I have watched some shows from the 60s. I really like Dick Van Dyke's show, uh, if I'm picking my favorite black and white show. But yeah, I've watched a lot of shows from the 70s, but mostly what I say is if you can name a comedy that started after 1982, there's a pretty good chance I've seen every episode. Before 82, it's spottier, but like I've never seen All in the Family, even though that's one of the greatest shows ever. I just haven't been able to find a place to watch All in the Family because most of the episodes are pretty controversial now. So it's not like running at 5 p.m. on TBS, like a show like Everybody Loves Raymond is. But yeah, if you go through the 80s, uh, definitely through the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, I can tell you most everything about most comedies. We got Longmire, Walter Longmire from Longmire. So I'm gonna have to look that one up. After, do you know what Outlander is? Yeah, it's a it's a Showtime or Stars show. It's uh, I I think it's about like Rome or something along those ilk. It's it's an old timey show, more more in the vein of Game of Thrones than anything else. What is uh, Barry? Barry is Bill Hader's show on HBO. It's a, it's a hell of a ride if you want to have your emotions toyed with. I was actually talking about it last night. It's a really good comedy that's actually just a, a drama. It's, it's a drama. I, I watch it because it's Bill Hader and it's Stephen Root. and There's a lot of really funny comedians in the show. But, man, it's, it's about... Uh, former hitman bill Hader plays a former military member who becomes a hitman who decides he wants to leave the game of being a hitman and become a low-rate actor in los angeles but he just can't get out of the hitman game he keeps having to do one more hit and then one more hit and so there's a lot of crime and murder if you like crime and murder shows but then there are episodes where uh characters accidentally super glue their hands to steering wheels so you get a lot of slapstick and you get a lot of high drama Good show. Very high stakes. Makes me sweat. Interesting. All right. So we got a few more left. I'll make sure I haven't skipped anything important. Ron Swanson. I uh, would agree with this. I haven't seen all of Parks and Rec, but fantastic character. Makes me laugh. Where favorite Parks and Rec characters ranked? I'm just getting all the uh, rankings today. Gosh, I've never prepared a favorite Parks and Rec characters. I think that it's one of the few shows where the main character is the best character. Leslie is a phenomenal character. I'll put her at number one. I really like Ben. I really like Chris. Andy, Chris Pratt's character is phenomenal. Ron, is, as everybody says, is the best. And I really do like Ron, especially in the later seasons, actually, when Ron gets to 
flower out a little bit more and be less of a one-dimensional character who's just there to dampen Leslie's parade. Uh, April, I mean, there's not a bad character in Parks and Rec. It's such a well-made show. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when I went out of town, I just watched the last season of the show in one night just to rewatch the whole final season. And that's a show that stuck the landing. Man, most shows get bad at the end. Parks and Rec just hit its final season, did it really well. For someone that's less in tune to all of these sitcoms, if you watch The Office before Parks and Rec, which I did, would you be wrong to think, like, be of the mindset that the off that the Parks and Rec is just a uh, dumber version of The Office or lesser version? Um, I think you'd be wrong because I think it's the other way around. But right. yeah, many many of the writers who wrote on The Office then went to write on Parks and Rec. So you know Moe's from The Office, Dwight's yeah. cousin? The actor who plays Moe's created Parks and Rec and created Brooklyn Nine-Nine and created The Good Place. That guy's named Michael Shore. He is the mastermind behind this generation of comedy on NBC. So his voice is in all four of those shows, and that's why they feel very similar. Interesting. So I think that's all the ones we had to get through as far as submissions. Uh, if Nick Miller and Charlie Kelly aren't on your list, reassess. I don't know what that is. Nick Miller is Jake Johnson's character from New Girl, and Charlie Kelly is Charlie Day's character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. New Girl is a show, and this is just my harebrained theory, that would have been forgotten if it was still acceptable to watch How I Met Your Mother. When How I Met Your Mother was huge and everybody loved it, nobody really talked about New Girl. And then when everybody kind of just changed their mind and said, you know what, it's the Me Too era, I don't think we should be glorifying Barney Stinson anymore, a lot of people jumped onto New Girl. New Girl's a phenomenal show. I think it's a lesser version of How I Met Your Mother, and I think How I Met Your Mother is a lesser version of Friends. So it's very diluted, but if you want to watch any of those shows, just watch Happy Endings. It's the best. And it's always sunny. Charlie Kelly's a phenomenal character. Guy's right. Interesting. All right, so I guess in closing, before we let you get out of here, uh, since we're all going to be in quarantine for at least a little bit longer, just give you five sitcoms, either like five favorite or five you recommend, and we will close on that note. All right, so if you are looking to kill time and you just need a lot to watch my first suggestion would be start cheers and don't stop until you finish frazier that is 22 seasons of those two shows that you will get and about 19 of the 22 seasons are very good uh i don't know where frazier is streaming now they took it off of netflix cheers is still on netflix frazier's probably on amazon or hulu or something but yeah start with those two shows and you'll have 500 odd episodes to watch and that will save you a lot of boredom if you are looking for a smaller show that you will never be able to forget because it's so infinitely uh, memorable and you have hbo go i suggest you go back and watch or rewatch the two seasons of flight of the concords uh one of my favorite shows of all time and because the entire thing is based around music and there are three original songs in every episode once you've seen it once, you can just rewatch the music videos over and over and over again because music is a lot easier to re-listen to than a show is to rewatch. So once you've seen the show once, you can just get the albums on Spotify and 
just cycle through them and man i i'm obsessed with flight of the concords they are awesome i've mentioned happy endings a few times uh watch it it's on hulu it's probably still on abc.com it only lasted three seasons but if you like shows like friends and if you also like shows like 30 rock which we criminally haven't mentioned yet uh happy endings is a show that merges that kind of melds the framework of friends with the sensibility of 30 rock and it's a mile a minute the best joke in the show just to give you guys an example is somebody says what are you thinking about and another character replies, well, if Mary Tyler Moore married and divorced Steven Tyler and then married and divorced Michael Moore and then entered into a lesbian three-way relationship with Mandy Moore and Demi Moore, would she go by the name Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore? That's the speed of the show. So watch Lot that one. on there. That was fun. Yeah. If you thought that was funny, watch that one. Uh, fourth pick, uh, I will go with... Man, if you want something a little bit more dramatic, but also very dark and very comically black, black kind of comedy. Um, my favorite show ever is called You're the Worst. It lasted for five seasons. It's on Hulu. It's about two people who are horrible trying to enter into a relationship. Do people who are unlovable deserve love? That is the thesis statement of the show. And I will keep up for it any day of the week. And fifth, if you want to know what I am actually watching right now, uh, finding a place to stream it other than just like old bootlegs on YouTube is hard. But I've been watching a classic British sitcom called The Young Ones, which is pretty much if it's always sunny in Philadelphia, took place in the 80s and replaced all of its satire with uh, fart jokes and beating up each other Three Stooges style. If you like characters hitting each other with cricket bats and punching each other and throwing sh uh, crap at each other, don't know if you curse on this show. Um, if you like uh, people using the word bastard a hundred times a minute and just being as physical and dumb as possible, find a place to watch The Young Ones because it has really brought me joy in the last two weeks of not being able to leave my house. Well, there you have it. Uh, last, last question, actually. Should we make a sitcom based off of being in quarantine during a global pandemic because of a virus? <laughs> You're assuming I haven't already started writing that, right? Oh, there we go. Nice. I uh, love it. Well, if you need help writing it, I could uh, probably add some dumb, hollow humor to it. But uh, we'll be workshopping that for next year and then probably quit our jobs as reporters and then never have to work again. But uh all right, well, this was a blast, Sus. I appreciate it, dude. Uh, you stay safe during a quarantine, and when you finish that show, be sure to give me credit. For sure, and if you ever need me on to talk at length about dumb pop culture stuff, I got nothing better to do. I will keep that offer on the table. Appreciate it, dude. Uh, see you soon, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, man. See ya. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.